0: And welcome to the Conservative Atheist Podcast. I'm your host, the Conservative Atheist, and we're going to be discussing the, some of the hottest, controversial, and in many cases considered taboo topics. We cover every issue you've ever considered, and several you haven't even thought of, from the unique perspective of a Conservative Atheist. Enjoy! Enjoy! And welcome back to the Conservative Atheist podcast. I'm your host, the Conservative Atheist, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Brighter Later. Hey guys! And today we're talking about feminism, and we both are not crazy about feminism. Feminism causes a lot of problems. It's one of those things that seems like a good idea, but in in, in reality and practice, it's not. Uh, it pits men against women. Uh, it pits women against children. It it. Up, You know, it upends the entire family, It, it, uh, you know, it destroys the nuclear family structure, and it makes women try to take on the roles of men, and it puts women, it puts, it, it tells women that they have to be men to be as good as men, and that's never been the case, that has never been the case. Men have all the qualities that women lack, and women have all the qualities that men lack, and together we complete each other. So men, women do not need to be men. They do not need to be masculine. They do not need to be assertive. They don't need to be, um, you know, unemotional. They don't need to be angry. They don't need to be any of these things. We're not your enemy. We're your, you know, we're your we're your companion, and you're our companion. And so, that's the natural way of things, and that's the best way to raise children. But uh, feminism has changed all sorts of things, Um, and you see this in movies and TV programs now. You see a lot of women in, you know, I, I, I like to watch this show called FBI. And it's made by the, the man Dick Wolf. He creates, a, he creates all the different law and order shows. He creates FBI. He creates a lot of good shows. And it shows this little tiny girl. She's probably about five foot tall, maybe 100 pounds, if that. And her big, strong, muscular partner distracts the guy with the guns so she can come in and tackle him and slam him to the ground and disarm him. And the guy that she's slamming to the ground is probably 250 pounds. It's just so goddamn ridiculous. And this has been a trend that's been getting worse and worse and worse in TV and movies. Um, it happened in Westworld. It's, it's, it's it happened at Star Trek. It's just happened in tons and tons of movies and TV programs. And it makes it absolutely fucking ridiculous and almost unwatchable. Right. So your, your take on this brighter later?
1: Yeah, I would agree with a lot. I, I think uh, one of the things I found that to uh, kind of like a more superficial critique, people have of feminism is that uh, you're seeing in a lot of our media where the men are portrayed are portrayed as particularly incompetent and the women are the competent ones that can kind of uh, swoosh in and save the day, which I find kind <laughs> of interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I think at uh, I, I that point about media or kind of media portrayals is that uh, – or what I what I particularly take umbrage with and a lot of people do is that uh, a lot of the arguments that they make for feminism seem to ultimately just be antithetical to reality, such as like men <laughs> – I guess men just being ultimately just very incompetent, whereas women are the competent ones. And a big one I've seen is that uh, – this is probably the – probably the, the – most like keynote or I thing they'll kind of uh, espouse to show that feminism is something that's very pertinent is that they'll say that, Oh, well, men and women, women make uh, something like 70% uh, than a man or 70% on the dollar. What a man makes, which the problem with that, and Obama was famously espoused this is that uh, the problem is that it's missing some serious context and it's not giving, and it's not bringing the fact that uh, men are much more likely to guess, go, go to school for harder things like chemical engineering. Whereas women are much more likely to do something like sociology. And this tends to be just a fact about, uh, well, this is a fact about universities. And, well, uh, well it's,
0: of... it's not just that. It's also the fact that men tend to work overtime hours and women work a lot of part-time hours.
1: Yeah. Well, I think the point here is that if you look at it out, if you actually parse it out with kind of the needed context, you see that uh, men and women are virtually paid the same, uh, controlling controlling for their jobs. And it's something, I think, like pennies, as opposed to something like 30%. And people take umbrage. People never really kind of bring up this details. I remember I, I once had a professor who <laughs> was this crazy feminist guy. And I remember he seemingly conceded it, but then he kind of uh, shoehorned in his own kind of conjecture. And he said that, oh, well, the reason that women, that when men and women get paid the same, when they work the same jobs and uh, why that doesn't actually uh, refute any arguments for feminism is that... Uh, well, they the men just don't let women work these particular jobs, or they don't let them work the jobs that pay money. Even though the, if they get in there, they'll pay them the same. Which I'm like, man, that is some mental gymnastics for somebody as smart as this guy.
0: Yeah, well, know? I I remember I remember you know probably a couple decades ago, um, ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. I I don't remember exactly when it was twenty twenty or forty eight hours or Dateline NBC. Having a segment on um, women firefighters and women firemen, whatever, and the the bottom line was is that the lot the Chicago Fire Department was getting sued by all these feminist organizations because they weren't hiring enough women, and so what they eventually had to do is is they eventually had to start uh, recording all of their their physical tests to show the reason why that they weren't hiring them. And the reason why they weren't hiring them is because they simply weren't up to the task. They they couldn't complete the physical tests. Uh, One test was, you know, the symbolized chopping through a door with an ax. They would have a log you had to chop through. Well, all the men, virtually all the men, chopped through the log with one chop. The women, 10, 15, 20 chops or 30 chops later, had made it through the log. So if I'm inside the, 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 the apartment and the, and the building is burning down or I'm inside my home and the, and the house is burning down, I don't want you chopping, you know, 15, 20, 30 times while I burn to death in the, in the house. And then eventually you die or you have to leave. And I'm left to, you know, I'm left to the flames. I don't want that to happen. I want the big, strong guy that can chop through the door with one chop. Right. You know, I, I don't want the hundred pound girl coming up the ladder to try to take me down on her back. I, I want the guy that looks like Lou Ferrigno coming up the ladder, or at least at least a you know a strong man that can do it, that can have a halfway chance of doing it. Not some tiny woman that can't do it.
1: Yeah, if you're gonna drag
0: a- me out, you're gonna have to have some size and the strength to drag drag me out. If you're a woman, you're just gonna we're both gonna succumb to the to the the gas, uh, to the smoke, and we're both gonna die. The, the other right. test they had was uh, carrying a hundred pound hose and you had to run, I think a hundred feet or something like that. I, I don't remember the exact weights and all that, but you had to drag a hose, a big, big uh, fire hose, so many feet. And none of the women could do it. None of them. So I guess the, the, the house or the building burns down while the woman tries, tries her best to drag it halfway there.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of this does come out of kind of, or where they actually had to film the stuff and prove that, and prove that uh, the women are just more inept at these jobs or they were not uh, up to par is due to kind of ridiculous civil rights law, particularly disparate impact where it literally says that, uh, if there's going to be any sort of disparity and kind of, uh, uh, work in the kind of work, uh, workplace kind of population, then it has to be shown that that disparity is necessary, which it's kind of hard to do with a lot of things, but fortunately we can do them with stuff like women not being strong enough, but, uh, where you could just show that, uh, nope, they're not up to par for this, and they can kind of uh, supersede a lot of lawsuits, but uh, a lot of other stuff, not quite as much, unfortunately. But, yeah, it's definitely kind of the theme of that, where women seem to think that uh, kind of these ridiculous feminist ideas, that uh, some of them them are not quite as ridiculous, and they'll say that, oh, men are stronger than women, and that's just the way it is, but uh, a lot of them, they they get so hysteric and so crazy that uh, they don't seem to even really care that much about it, you know.
0: Oh, I definitely know. I've I've had conversations with many of these women. They do not want to acknowledge the fact that if you sit around and if you watch and I don't watch them, but if you watch some of these daytime talk shows sometimes, if if somebody says, Oh, women are smarter than men, women are more intelligent, you know, more, more capable of men, more you know, all the women clap. They're like a bunch of fucking seals out there, just slapping and slapping and ooh, 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 yeah, that's right. No. But if a man said something like that, oh, my God, he's a horrible sexist, he's, he's, a, he's a brute, he's a show, male chauvinist pig, he's all this other stuff. The fact is, is that we each have our own qualities and physical strength, physical capabilities are not in your wheelhouse. If it's a physical job, you're not going to be as capable as a man. You're just not going to be. And that just doesn't apply to something like, like being a, a fireman. It also applies to things like being a police officer. If you're a policeman, you, could, you, have, to, you have to be able to take down big suspects. I, I've seen countless videos on YouTube where some tiny woman is, is begging and pleading for a suspect to turn around and put his hands on the wall. And the guy's just like, he's not even fighting her. He's just, you know, just not doing what she says. And he gra- she grabs a hold of him, and he just kind of shakes her off like it's nothing. And uh, this one little Puerto Rican woman was, this black guy was doing this to this one little Puerto Rican woman. And this big white cop runs in and snatches him and slams him against the wall, and that's the end of it. But she was begging and pleading and grabbing onto him and threatening. And, and if he hadn't, have, if that other cop hadn't have been there, it would have been bad. It would have been a real bad situation
1: yeah i can't remember you arguing with people about this and uh, them getting particularly emotional when you were saying that uh, females shouldn't be cops but, no, uh, which shouldn't. i found kind of just they
0: shouldn't yeah you can't you can't shoot everybody you can't just pull a gun out and shoot everybody oh you're not going to come over here but you know i i'm trying to give you a ticket for jaywalking you're not going to come over here i guess i'll have to shoot you <laughs> You can't shoot everybody. You, you know, you have to be physically capable. When you go to put the cuffs on, you want to know that you're going to you have a chance of winning and not just being slapped around like a 3-year-old child. And and that's the case with most women. Most women are as capable of fighting a, a man as a 3-year-old child is fighting a woman. It's just not going to happen. And yeah, to, to say it is is delusional.
1: Yeah, I, <clears throat> sorry. I think there's a couple of points there. One of the things that uh, you're kind of bringing up the uh, talks with women where they'll kind of drum themselves up, which it's kind of interesting that if you look at a lot of the data on feminism or particularly polling data, it shows that a lot of women, one of the reasons why women will like feminism is because they, get, they kind of get to see themselves as empowering, which I think that kind of jibes well with kind of the other kind of intersectional stuff where you just view your particular group or whatever your identity is or or one of your identities as oppressed. So you constantly try to drum yourself up and show how great you are. <laughs> and you're going to kind of create movements around it that are just meant to do that. And obviously the problem is that uh, if you empower yourself like uh, with firefighters or showing you're some female badass, it's probably not going to correspond much to reality and it's just going to be you just making up shit. But I find it interesting. I'm wondering to what extent this is an impetus for feminism that... Uh, these people are kind of a lot of intersectionals, which now it seems like with 3rd wave phonism that it's all about intersectionality. But uh, where you, uh, I guess you feel like you're oppressed, so you just keep trying to drum yourself up and you keep trying to view yourself as empowered. It doesn't even really matter if that corresponds to reality or if it's mostly just a pseudo thing. You just
0: do it. That's, well, one the one thing I've noticed about many groups is that if a group isn't capable of doing something, instead of saying, hmm, we must be lacking in something, what can we do to change this? Instead of that, they pointed at everybody else. You're keeping me from doing this. Well, who's keeping men from doing this? I always hear these complaints that uh, straight white males are, are the are con- ones that are controlling the world. Well, you don't think there was anybody trying to hold those men back and keep them from doing things? Of course there were. If you're capable, you thrive. If you're not, you don't. You wallow in, in mediocrity. You fail. Right. And, and that's just the reality of the situation. Oh, it's gonna be difficult, so that's why I can't do it. Oh, okay. I mean, if that's your attitude, then you know you've defeated yourself at the, at the beginning. Yeah, there's a reason why we split the sports up. There's a reason why that there's men's basketball and there's women's basketball. Men's baseball, there's really no women's baseball that I know of. I mean, I know I'm sure there probably is, but I've never seen it, never heard of it. I'm sure it exists somewhere. But you know, men swimming, women swimming, men's hockey, women's hockey, because you simply can't compete. Physically, you cannot compete. And that translates into translates into a lot of jobs.
1: Yeah, I, I think we should probably not put as much of an emphasis on kind of the physical stuff. Obviously, it's the case that uh, women are a lot of women will just be so overly confident in their ability and just say the stupidest shit. But there's probably much more pertinent aspects to kind of go after feminism.
0: Well, yeah. those those no, those are good ones. Those are good ones because that that's why you have a tiny little woman trying to carry, trying to take a uh, a, a six foot four, two hundred and fifty pound muscular man from jail, and he yanks down the street. We're trying to figure out what, how that happened, or you know, I mean, this this is it's a problem. It's a problem. We we're not we're not acknowledging reality in this world anymore. We used to acknowledge reality. We used to be a an objectivist uh, culture now we're a subjectivist or a postmodernist culture where everybody gets their own reality and political correctness rules the day and not and not truth
1: well i think that's what i take more of an umbrage with or that's where my kind of major grip that's that's kind of my major grip with feminism in general i don't think uh where i think it's going to have some real implications is going to be kind of in the workplace or a lot of the workforce whereas a uh, A lot of the kind of more physical jobs, at least when I when I hear people arguing about this, they'll typically they'll typically concede a lot of these points and they don't try to put as much an emphasis on it. I don't don't,
0: don't, don't know about that. I don't know where I don't know where you're getting that one from. I hear about I hear. I mean, why do you think the Chicago Fire Department had to start filming their their physical tests? They were getting sued. Uh, You're constantly hearing about how there's not enough women in police departments and there's, you know, the women in the military. There was a guy that there was women were not good. They're good at flying regular planes, but fighter pilots, they're not good at. And they were, there was a lot of women who were dying and crashing their planes, their fighter jets into the ocean or the side of the ship uh, when they would try to land on aircraft carriers. And finally, one of the instructors came out and said so, and he had been instructor for many years. And he said that the military pressured him into passing women that weren't capable and so think, uh, that's a problem.
1: Yeah, I think there's a difference between, I guess, being a fighter pilot and, I guess, just doing something that brute force and that's or just brute strength, and that uh, it seems like if you're going to fly a plane, it's not as much about brute strength as it is just, uh, I guess, other things that you're particularly adept at. Whereas I, I I'm saying here that uh, the the difference is is that uh, I think in the case of the Chicago Police Department or the Chicago Fire Department, rather, it could have just been that. Uh, they were kind of able to, I guess, get enough people crazy about this, and they were just able to get a lawyer to kind of file some suit against this, and then that was by and large settled. But I don't think the, a lot of women, that to, even a lot of them who drink the Kool Aid, so to speak, and a lot of feminism, maybe would have taken such an umbrage with that, especially if it's made clear that to, a lot of physical character, a lot of physical stuff had to be sufficed. Well, Whereas I, I think they. I, I,
0: were, I, well, I, let me. You're I, not I watching the shows. To, I watch them.
1: Yeah, I just want to say one other thing. The, the thing that I think that they would particularly take umbrage with, which I think is a much more pertinent thing, is that uh, women don't do as well in, I guess, particular kind of highbrow jobs. And there they they accuse the atmosphere of being sexist, and then they try to make it such that, oh, it's 50-50, you know. I mean, something like we were referencing Twitter's takeover, where now people are complaining that uh, putting an emphasis on engineers is that, oh, well, there aren't as many women here, and that just shows that it's an inherently sexist company, you know. I think that's, I mean, even, even it could be that the case that... Uh, people are going to be, I guess, pissed off about kind of like more blue collar jobs that require more brute force. I think where it's really, really going to become more relevant is kind of more white collar jobs where for whatever reason, or not for whatever reason, because we kind of know this, but, uh, women are not, uh, uh as, a uh, women do not reflect, uh, in the workplace, they don't reflect their, uh, their percentage of the population and they're disproportionately less likely to hold those jobs. Well, I, 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 think
0: it's, I think it goes across the board, blue collar and, and uh, white collar. Uh, white collar, women just aren't as assertive as men are. They show that women are not as likely to ask for raises as men do. And uh, they're just not as assertive. When they try to be assertive, it's not part of their nature. Men are innately aggressive. They're innately assertive. And so when women try to do it, they do it in catty, bitchy, manipulative ways, which undermines their efforts and makes everybody, men and women, hate them. And so it doesn't it doesn't work out well for them they're, they're good at manipulating but they're not they're very transparent about it and it, it makes it to where nobody can stand them They don't know I've had so many women tell me they'd rather have a, a male boss than a female boss because at least the man even if he was mean you'd know exactly where you stood you'd know exactly you know whether you were good or you know whether they were, you were good with them or they or were, were not. Whereas with a woman, they'll smile to your face and no matter how many times you ask them and what way you ask them, you know, you can be honest, what's wrong? Are we okay? Oh, yeah, we're okay. And the whole time they're, they're just, you get that fake smirk on their face. They're not okay. But they won't be straightforward. They, they avoid confrontation at, at all costs. They're just non-confrontational people. And so they'd prefer to manipulate and, and work in the background and uh, do catty things and it's it's not good for the company it's not good for morale it's just not good yeah
1: i guess i kind of shifting uh i like to read something from colette that uh i think kind of goes after my main chronic, <laughs> or really kind of my main gripe with women as far as uh or is as, as as really as it relates to feminism particularly in kind of the workforce
0: sure
1: and it says A 2000, this obviously goes through some surveys and then gives results in it. It's a little bit long, but uh, I think it does a good job of underscoring what I'm kind of talking about. It says, a 2021 paper by Zhang and colleagues that coded 1,193 abstracts and surveyed 2,587 European researchers across three disciplines found that male researchers were more likely to specify scientific progress slash the the advancement of knowledge as the aim of their researchers Female researchers were more likely to specify societal progress and ex- external usefulness as the aim of their research. Female scholars were more likely than their male counterparts to report that creating a better society inspires their work and to place higher value on research that has benefited society. It then goes on to say, a 2021 survey, one of us, one of us conducted, uh, one of us conducted with 468 psycho- psychology professors from over 100 top universities in the U.S. found that. When asked whether scholars should be completely free to pursue research questions without fear of institutional punishment for their research conclusions, among men the majority 60.5 said, said yes, 37% said it's complicated, and 2.5% said no. Among women, the majority 59.6% said it's complicated, 39.8% said yes, and 0.6 said no. When asked whether scientific scientists should prioritize truth over social equity or social equity goals when the two conflict among men, the majority prioritize truth, 32.4% said it's complicated, and 1.3% said uh, prioritize social equity. Among women, the majority, 52.1% said it's complicated, 43% uh, prioritize truth, and 4.8% prioritize social equity. So this is obviously going over research and particularly kind of research in uh, institutions where it says that uh, women are much more likely than men to kind of prioritize uh, whether or not something has kind of a rosy kind of outcome socially yeah, than to course. what actually the truth is.
0: Which... Yeah, the, the, the bottom line is they're more amenable to um, political correctness than reality. Yeah. which so they, they, they would prefer a, a, a pretty fantasy over a harsh reality.
1: Yeah, which this essay, I'm not going to go through all of it, but it basically goes through if you look at universities and you see the advent of like diversity, equity, and inclusion – people talking about safe spaces, people, just anything that you consider woke, this seems to be kind of an advent in the last kind of 20, 30 years. And this author theorizes that uh, the reason why this is, is that uh, university professors are about half male, half woman, whereas at least in the eighties, they were under 25%. And his feeling, his theory is, is that, uh, the reason why we're we're seeing universities reflect much more uh, kind of emotions and kind of safe space stuff as opposed to just doing kind of cold hard research and being being amenable to, I guess, research no matter where it lies is that uh, women are really starting to take over these institutions and they're ultimately just kind of uh, bringing with them and in, are invariably kind of their own sediments on a lot of
0: this stuff. And that's well, so- a lot of problems. Society in general is becoming is, – is transitioning from a masculine um, society to a, a more – uh, feminine society, where it's feelings over facts. It used to be facts over feelings. We're transitioning more to f- feelings over facts, and that's why you see things like uh, you know. That's why we went from a, an objectivist system to a subjectivist or postmodernist system, where everybody gets their own reality. Uh, standards be damned. It's whatever makes you feel good.
1: Yeah, I think there's there's a lot to that. Uh, I don't know. As someone who's read a lot of postmodernism, particularly Nietzsche. I think some of these, particularly the Jordan Peterson followers, the ill, they can be somewhat unfounded on this, particularly because someone like Jordan Peterson seems to praise Nietzsche pretty much, which seems to be kind of convoluted. I definitely, I, I'm not blaming as much postmodernism per se. I definitely think it's a problem of if you get very emotional people into jobs, which women just tend to be more emotional, they're just going to bring a lot of stuff with them, and they're going to prioritize that over, I guess, what should be whatever should be kind of the objective goal.
0: Yeah, feeling based.
1: Yeah, I think that's where. I'm seeing this, and this is where I really, really do take an umbrage with... Maybe it's not as much feminism per se, but it's kind of like a lot of kind of female stuff where it's it's shown that... uh, Or I guess it it does have to do with feminism because the idea of third-wave feminist, which I think most feminists, if they're going to call themselves feminists, that's what they subscribe to, is that uh, if there's really any sort of disparity, it's due to sexism, and women and men, they have to be equal in all outcomes. And it appears as though when you... And a lot of these things were men and women are probably 50, 50, like universities. It's, you're not seeing very rosy outcomes. You're seeing them kind of bring along more kind of emotional things. And
0: well, I'd they, say they, just- they, they don't want, they don't want equality. They want equity, equity and qual- equality are not the same thing. They, they, they want, they want to be artif They want to be, they want the same outcome. They want e- equality of outcome, which is not tenable. And unless you just artificially do it, which is, which is not merit-based. Everything in this everything in this world should be merit based, right? Not Felix based. Yeah, which I think if, this... if you if you can succeed, you succeed. If you can't succeed, you don't succeed. Period. Based on your merits, based based on your capabilities.
1: Yeah, maybe obviously just kind of uh, focusing a bit more on universities because that's where I re- i i was i was at most recently or kind of spent a lot of my time at, and I did see a lot of this kind of nonsense, and you do kind of wonder where this emanated from. And I, I guess I guess it's kind of an extension of this, the one thing, probably my most sexist point, and, uh, or maybe <laughs> my most sexist belief, and uh, also some people might, might think that just undercuts every single version of feminism, is that, uh, and obviously you're gonna agree with this. I'm wondering to what extent, and obviously you, you referenced it at first, that men and women are meant to be together. I'm wondering to what extent that women are probably much more supposed to be under the domain of men and just supposed to be kind of like steered by
0: them. Well, definitely think, what... think about it this way. Look at, look at the, look at the animal kingdom. There are a few cases where the female is, is the, is the, is the dominant gender elephants. Um, I, I, I forget what else, but there's a few, the, the, you know, there's a few insects in the insect world, but in, in, the, in the overwhelming majority of, of mammals, males are the dominant gender. You see it with gorillas. You see it with chimpanzees. You see it with orangutans. You see it with baboons. Uh, our closest our closest relatives, the other primates. Um, you see it with lions and tigers. You, you you see it throughout the animal kingdom. It's it's the rule. It's not. It's you know the, the female being the the um, I think hyenas. The female is actually the the dominant. But strangely enough, both females and males have penises, and the hyenas, hyenas are very strange animals, but. So the overwhelming majority of, of, uh, of mammals, especially primates, the male is the, is the dominant gender. And I think that's obviously been true through about males in human nature throughout mankind. We can look through history and you see it. I mean, look at modern civilization. Would modern civilization exist if it wasn't for men? Buildings and sidewalks and roads and sewer systems, Indoor plumbing, electricity, um, television, airplanes, cars, trucks, trains. Would any of these things exist if it would not ferment?
1: Right. Yeah, I, I think there's a couple points. This is obviously something that I grapple with as far as, uh, I don't know, just grapple with in general is that uh, what should kind of be like the configuration of a lot of the stuff. And uh, I think, and uh, obviously, because, some of the more kind of like sex or fairly kind of meninist and I would probably say more so misogynist people, which uh, are misogynist types is that they seem to think that a woman just needs to uh, always suffice to certain roles or suffice kind of conventional or traditional roles or norms and that uh, they should just be seen as property. And it seems like I've always Kind of, and maybe it's just more emotional. Where I think that's probably wrong. But then I'm thinking that, uh, well, when women seem to kind of dominate their own kind of ecosystems, they become particularly emotional and just uh, kind of uh, defeats the purposes. They defeat. They defeat the purpose that they were kind of set up to do. And the question is, is that it seems like you, or it seems like the only way to really repudiate that is just to make them more male dominant, which would seem to, in effect, just be that. Uh, men men are kind of men are i don't know men kind of trump women in a lot of the things you know and i i think i wonder like what's kind of like the most uh i don't know i guess equitable way that could be done
0: well there's two there's two genders regardless of what anybody tells you there's two genders two sexes two genders there's masculine dominant and there's passive there, there, there's masculine dominant aggr- i'm sorry i'm sorry there's masculine which is dominant aggressive and then there's feminine, which is which is passive, submissive. Uh, Dominant, aggressive is always the boss by the by its very nature. Right. And again, women women play a role. They don't. They may not play the role that they they think they should. They may not feel like that they're equals. Uh, but they fill roles that we can't, and we fill roles that they can't. And is it evenly divided up? No, it's not it's definitely right. not somebody has to be the boss you know it, you look at a you look at uh, a tribe of indians you know native americans indians whatever um you know everybody can't be a chief there's got to be some indians there's got to be some braves everybody can't be the chief it's just the way yeah. it
1: is i guess one of the things that i've always wondered uh kind of squaring this kind of dilemma in my mind is Could it be the case that, uh, maybe this is where I think we would probably diverge, is that could it be the case that most women could just kind of just live their lives and not obsess over feminism and feeling like they're oppressed and need some way of kind of drumming up themselves and just, I guess, kind of invariably just kind of fit kind of the conventional kind of gender norms, but uh, it being the case that people just by and large are oblivious to it and they don't put an emphasis on it? And, I mean, as far as the women I've been around, this is more or less what they've done. They haven't really, I guess, complained about feminism or felt about being oppressed unless they – usually if they complain about it, they probably have a decent argument for it. But they just kind of do what they're going to do, and they accept that uh, if men are be- – men are very likely just going to be better at some things, and women are better at some things, or when women are just better at others. you know.
0: Yeah, what you're, talk- I- what you're talking about is something that was coined by Ronald Reagan back in the 80s called the silent majority. And, yes, I agree with that. I think the average woman just lives her life and and lives gender norms. I yeah. think it, but you know how they say the squeaky wheel gets the oil or g- grease. I think that's what it is. You, the, the people that yell and scream the loudest and are out there burning their bras and wearing, wearing pink pussy hats are the ones that we hear. We don't, we don't notice or hear from the people that are just living their lives.
1: Right. Yeah. I think there's a couple points. I'm not quite sure if I would totally agree with some of the things you said. I guess my point is that uh, kind of the environment, and I don't even know, I, kind of like I guess I would say the women that I've been around where it was always understood they could do whatever they wanted to, but they didn't really complain about kind of their, their environment, and if they wanted to, I don't know, become a physician or a lawyer, nothing was stopping them, and they could go ahead and do it, and to it assume that they could they could probably flourish at those, you know? I mean, you also see that uh, kind of an aside with this is that uh, one of the points people make is that I think only 30% of females in the United States identify as feminists. I saw that, I can't remember exactly where I saw that, but uh, I think this is from 2019, where the vast majority of women do not identify as feminists. You know? Right, right. So it, though it does show, I was reading uh, some Pew research from, I guess, 2021, which I'm not quite sure how to reconcile this, but, uh, or how you'd square this, but uh, it shows that uh, something like, the I think 60% of women they either say that feminism suits them very well or that it somewhat suits them. And obviously it could just be the case that if it somewhat suits you, you could also realize the problems in it and you're not going to identify with it. But they just live their lives and don't feel oppressed.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Most women don't feel like they're feminists. They just live their lives and they don't feel oppressed. I think there's just a lot of women that try to make other women feel oppressed. And when they don't, they get upset about that because that's, that's their goal. That's what they want. They, they want to drum up support. They want to drum up for their cause. And, uh, you know, so that they try to pressure other women to become feminists and see it from that right and from that angle. And there's a lot of women on campus, a lot of young girls on campus that fall for it.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question. It, obviously, in a university setting, uh, I think college educated women are the most likely to identify as feminists. I would say, yeah. I would say there's probably pulling on different strings. I think in a university uh, setting, it would probably be the case that uh, women could easily kind of coax their, I guess their peers to become feminist because uh, they're just around them all day and they tend to, that's what they tend to identify as. So you could be odd men out or they could be, there could be something wrong with you if you don't, I think in other settings in particular, when you just start to live your life and you actually have to do stuff that is going to actually advance the species or you need to do, or you have to do stuff that's going to advance the species I, or to kind of just be very general. I don't think it's as much of a problem there. And I think a lot of women can seemingly just kind of bracket out that or kind of be, I don't know, I guess be oblivious to the, uh, the kind of uh, crazy feminist and uh, not get as bogged down in that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think the average woman doesn't fall for all that nonsense. Unfortunately, a lot of people, a lot of people that live on campus, especially college professors that stay on campus their entire lives, Uh, live in the theoretical and not, and not in the, uh, you know, not, not in the real world. Yeah. You know, they, they bind all these theories that sound good, but in the real world they don't work out.
1: Yeah. I I guess my point here is that uh, one of the reasons why I brought that up is that uh, I, I guess a lot of the women who just kind of, or don't really identify as feminist and maybe, maybe they're not totally amenable to every Every sort of like fantasy that a male has, as far as that the, the man's the breadwinner and the woman just is the housemaker. They, but they, I, I'm just wondering from kind of your own perspective, do you complain? it? Would you, do you think you'd complain at all about these women if they kind of do that and maybe they could still be more emotional, but they do it from a, in a household? Or you think you would still be just annoyed by them because you tend to be more annoyed by females, to be quite blunt?
0: I, you know, I love women, but they are annoying. They're okay. extremely annoying. They talk too much. They constantly want to talk about feelings. They can't just take one answer. They've got to ask the same question over and over and over again. It's very annoying. Very, very annoying. Um, they lack confidence. And it, it is what it is. I, I I, just try to accept these facts and and I just move on. I try to anyway. It doesn't always work. You know, I try not to be aggravated. I try to just accept reality and accept people for who they are. And... uh but I'm not always able to achieve that.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's uh thinking about it, it could be that, uh, I mean, if women's essence is kind of just being more emotional and I guess kind of concealing more stuff and everything that comes along with that, then there's obviously going to be particularly just nurturing or I guess raising kids. That's probably what they're going to be best at. And I guess another really sexist belief is I'm starting to think that it also could be the case that women, their, their kind of main purpose is just raising kids and virtually everything else. Men are probably men are, maybe maybe it's not as much they're meant to do it but they're just going to be better on better at it on average but I, I think the the one thing i wonder is that uh if is could it be a scenario in which uh women are just more emotional in kind of their own particular domains or the domains that i guess they're meant to flourish in and uh, people could tolerate it whereas whereas uh, i guess they also tolerate other domains that they probably shouldn't uh be the lion share in like academia or anything that's kind of a uh, treat or anything that's kind of pursuing truth where they could accept that, uh, well, we're going to be kind of uh, trumped by other people or it's ultimately going to be a case that our sentiments don't, uh, aren't going to be what shows through. And I'm kind of right. wondering if that could kind of, if something like that could happen where I guess other, other, some, some domains are going to be more emotional based, whereas others are going to be, I guess, uh, I guess more mechanical or kind of more kind of shrewd in that sense. I don't know if that makes any sense. I'm I just kind of wondering how the configuration of this could work in kind of an ideal system or what I think tends to happen in most of the so world. So what,
0: what, I, what I think you're trying to say is, is that it's a little bit more tolerable uh, the way they behave when it comes to being overly emotional when they are dealing with, with things that are feminine, taking care of children, taking care of the house, things of that nature. Um, but when it comes to professional things and out, things outside the, the home, it's a little bit less tolerable because it affects other people.
1: Yeah. Well, I I think the more so is making the point that uh, if you could accept that, uh, if it could be the case that uh, both men and women kind of take the stance that, uh, okay, well, well, we're obviously meant to be together and we complete each other. And we we have to accept uh, both of our essences, you know, and not take umbrage with it. Right. And just accept that uh, it's going to flourish in different ways. I guess that's one of the things that I wonder.
0: Well I, I don't think most women that consider themselves Feminists will ever accept that
1: Okay I, I guess one of the other questions I have is And obviously this kind of uh, This kind of cuts across The different kind of uh, I guess strands of Feminism which it seems, to be, it seems to be the second wave feminists Basically say that uh, a woman should be able To do whatever they want and You should accept that the first wave seems to be Much more that uh, okay well we're not We shouldn't be viewed as property and the third wave is much more intersectional that uh, women are oppressed and we have to look at the ways in which they're oppressed throughout society, you know, and right. I, I've heard, I've heard people basically argue, we interviewed Paul Godfrey, and I believe he said this where he thinks that uh, it's the case that, uh, well, don't say, don't say that you're against third wave feminists, but the rest say that you're against all of them. And I think his idea there is that uh, women are just naturally, if they get an inch, essentially kind of the, the adage, if they get an inch, they'll take a mile. So you have to really, really control them you know, which I'm not quite sure if that's true, but uh... I think
0: it is. I, th- I think he's got something there. I, un- unfortunately, I think one leads to the other leads to the other. I think it's a slippery slope and it, it just keeps the ball just keeps rolling and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And now we're to the point where we're denying reality in the face of feelings. And uh, it's becoming a much more feminized world where where are fun, is, where, you know, safety, as Bill Maher said, safety is, is seen as a bigger priority than fun. Always okay you know like, it's it, we, we become a softer gentler world i
1: guess the one qualm i have or maybe it's not as much a qualm but just kind of grappling with it is that it seems like if godfrey's if godfrey's right on that then it seems to be that men actually have to make concerted effort to kind of control women which i don't think i'm quite as sympathetic with whereas what i was proposing was more so that uh, this kind of just naturally happens you know
0: yeah but that but but and that sounds good but that hasn't happened What's happened is, is that women have broken men down. They've whined and complained, and they've gotten enough soft, weak men to go along with them to, that they've shifted society. Uh, ma- conservative is masculine. Liberal is feminine. And, and again, I don't mean to keep hearkening back to Bill Maher, but pretty much that's what he said in the past. You know, the, the, the daddy is conservative. The, the mommy is, is, is the liberal's. And uh, the, the daddy is strict, he has rules, he has standards, he's a pragmatist, the mommy is, is, is the feelings-based, the liberals are the feelings-based, uh, they're, the, they're the more than the what feels good instead of what works. And that's what we've drifted to, we've drifted to a, feminine, a feminine, more feminine society, where it's more important, people's feelings are more important than what works. And that's simply not sustainable. What's the old saying? Uh, And I I think I've said it before on this podcast, not on this particular episode, but, you know, hard men create good times, good times create soft men, soft men create bad times, bad times create hard men. And it's a a continuous cycle. If you have really strong men, you create good times. Those good times mean that the, the, That Men don't have to be strong and hard anymore. They can be soft and weak. And so then they create bad times. And so then strong men come along and and start the process all over again.
1: Yeah. I should say kind of, uh, I guess just kind of fleshing this point out more. There are other, I remember Amy Wax in particular, I'm sure you know who she is, that's a, I've heard her her make a point that uh, she wrote a big kind of sociological study basically arguing that the 50s had the best values of – or any sort of culture he's trying to emulate should be the 50s and they had the best values. Of course. And the point she made about women is that, uh, well, it's the case that obviously women can basically do whatever they want and obviously, I mean, there's going to be women who obviously have the intellectual wherewithal to do whatever they want. That shouldn't quite be what's expected of them. And what should be expected of them is basically just to – kind of serve us as like uh, homemakers. And I, I don't know to what extent I, I guess one of the things I'm interested in here is that uh, and I guess it's kind of just the kind of sociology is that uh, to what extent can you just look at norms as something that's just there and it's something that we should just recognize and maybe that's more like a Hygarian sense of it and to what extent are they something that has to be uh, stringently enforced and we have to be clear that it's not going to happen. Whereas I think I think it's probably going to be the case that just because we're herd animals, it's going to be that uh, most people are just going to abide by them, and they don't really, or actually, just because we're herd animals, it's probably going to be the case if you deviate from them, that people are going to chastise you. You know, but yeah, uh, of course. I, I think there is a question there. Of uh, I, I guess one of the things I'm grappling with here is that uh, how concerted do you have to be with a lot of these values, you know, to actually make it work?
0: And you have think, to be very. You have to be very concerted. Okay. Otherwise, it just continues in a giant loop, which it may continue in a giant loop anyway. Okay. Maybe there's maybe there's no way out of that loop. Yeah. You can't you know if, if 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 hard men create good times, and the good times don't present any challenges to men, then naturally men are going to become soft and weak.
1: Well, I'm wondering Cause... if. Oh, sorry. Go
0: ahead. Go
1: ahead. I was going to say, I'm wondering if uh, the feminine or. It seems like feminists would kind of uh, uh, upend this kind of adage given that uh, it could be the case that they still end up in, they create some like shit atmospheres where obviously I've said that uh, the one thing I mostly have a problem with is not as, if you look at it, I mean, people that wear pussy hats are not going to create a bunch of crime. It's going to be that uh, downtrodden effects where there's going to be another group that commits a bunch of crime and these people are going to be as sympathetic as can be with them. So you can't really separate it, but I wonder with women in particular, or feminists in particular, it seems like that uh, it could be clear that uh, they have so many negative outcomes, such as them not being as happy, or you just see just so many, just so many pernicious things with these that these women create, and they'll probably still be feminists because they'll still think they're oppressed, you know. And it, it's not quite clear how you repudiate that. And obviously, with the adage there of kind of the paradigm, it seems like uh, well, when sh- things go to shit, people uh, put it into place. But it seems like feminists are not. <laughs> won't be quite as amenable to that and they'll just be kind of drumming along you know
0: yeah of course that they're they're the victims no matter what the situation is they're the victims and that's not just true with feminists uh, feminism and feminists it's true with other groups as well they're the victims no matter what no matter what the circumstance no matter what's going on no matter how much people bend over backwards to accommodate them they're always going to be the victims always and everybody and all their mistakes and all their failures are going to be um, somebody else's fault. And all their success is going to be in spite of all the, all the oppression that they've faced. They're constantly the victims and the heroes at the same time. And uh, it's fragile egos. Very, very fragile egos.
1: Okay. Well, I guess my, my question there is, how exactly did the women that are, are particularly feminist, how do, you, how do you make it such that uh, they, that bent gets kind of loosened and they're less likely to become that way?
0: I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess just not not giving them um not giving them not giving into them is pretty much it. When okay. you give into the whining and complaining and the constant excuse making, that's what happens. It, it, things go awry. But as long as you stand stand strong and you don't bend and give and you know you don't bend your will, you don't let them bend your will and give in to what they're saying. And the whining and complaining and the, you know, it's like a child. You let them throw as many temper tantrums as you want, but you stick to your guns. And if you stick to it, eventually they're going to cry themselves out and take a nap. (laughs) It's like a little kid. And like I said, it doesn't just go for women. It goes for a few other groups as well. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so not let quite let, sure. let let them let them cry themselves out. Let them throw as many temper tantrums as you want, and stand 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 tall and strong.
1: Yeah, I I guess I'm not quite sure if that would <laughs> that would that would totally reverse it. If it's the case that maybe it's the case that uh, it's just an intersectional movement and they feel oppressed. So if you make it such that you don't give a shit and you don't buy into it. Uh, Maybe they'll just tucker themselves out and they'll just move on to something else, or I guess go along with the I guess their will would be bent to uh, I guess the original will or what I think was what you were trying to say. I, I guess it just seems like kind of implausible that uh, these people would just kind of drop the act. You know, it's oh, it they, seems oh, kind oh,
0: oh, oh, they they will. Maybe not completely, but they will. It, it'll take it'll take the uh, it'll take the fire out of them. Okay. Well, I guess my the way I
1: look at it more so, and I, I that could be true to some extent. I, I'd have to think about that more. I honestly haven't given it that much thought. The thing that I think would probably taper down more feminism, or taper down I'd see, I'd say, which is the more which are the more pernicious aspects of it. And obviously I reference the case of universities where it seems to be that uh, they just enter these spheres and then they become they bring their sentiments with them, which tends not to be good, is it seems like you basically <laughs> Just have to make it such or make the whatever kind of like, I don't know, job they're in or institution or whatever you want to say. Institution is probably too general. Just be very, very stringent with what the values are and don't let them repudiate that. And that's actually kind of branches out into other points about conservatives or with conservatives and uh, institutions. I remember uh, Sullivan's Law, which I think was the editor of National Review, editor of National Review in the 90s. He had this idea that all institutions will become liberal eventually. And his idea of how to repudiate that is you have to be as stringent as you can with those values and you have to make clear of that nonstop,
0: you know. Yeah, of course, of course, absolutely. Absolutely. Because if you're not strict, if you don't stick to your guns, if you don't stay strong, if you don't uphold your standards, you know, feminism is the is the lack of standards. It's the it's the it's the erosion of standards. And so you you know, that's where you get the cashless bail for criminals. That's where you get you know, the, always siding with the criminal and trying to see the, the criminal's point of view. It, it's it's the and letting illegal immigrants pour in across the border like a you know like a like an avalanche come across the border. I mean, it's you know a huge tidal wave of of illegal immigrants and and you hear all the sob stories and and it's feelings based. This is this is all from feminism. And, and if you hold to your standards, if you hold if you uphold rule of law, if you enforce it and you're strict about it and you and you don't let people bend the standards and, and weaken the standards, then you're going, it's going to stay masculine, it's going to stay conservative and it's going to stay um, you know it's going to stay upright. If you've been, if you give in, if you listen to the feelings, if you listen to the whining and the crying and, and you let you let them browbeat you into relenting, then, yeah, all is lost. And, and that's kind of where we're at now. I'm just hoping that eventually boomerangs back in the other direction.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say what's going to happen. I would say that... To, with women, it seems like a little bit different than the Sullivan's law. And I, I think we'll probably do something on kind of like liberals controlling institutions. Cause there are some really interesting essays on that. And this is very much kind of tangential to it. And I shouldn't say that, uh, I would probably say I disagree with you a bit that, uh, a lot of institutions, what you seem to say is that, uh, they become feminized and that's where you get a lot of the shit. I think there's something kind of deeper at play with a lot of the reason, with the, the reasons why uh, a lot of these institutions become more liberal, but, to. Uh, yeah, I, I guess what I
0: more so had in mind is that, uh, well, is well, well, much... well, part of it is, is that a lot of, lot of liberals want, decide they want to become college professors and they don't ever want to go into the real world. They want to stay on campus. They want, to, they want to be a professional college student. They want to live on campus forever. They don't want to ever leave that life. And that's part of the, way, part of the reason why they've taken over campuses. Because the conservatives tend to go out into business while the liberals stay behind and become professors.
1: Uh, yeah, people have made that claim, particularly with uh, it used to be the case that something like half of professors were conservative. I'm not quite sure. I've heard accounts of that. There's there are some problems with that just on face value, but I, I don't know enough to really judge. But to – sorry, the middle of my train of thought. I, I guess the point I was making – I think I'm making a point that's probably even more stringent or even probably more hardcore to most people. Uh, to most people than yours is isn't that I think it's just the case that uh, women will probably just be by being more emotional that the second they just start to enter an institution, they're just going to or in kind of uh, droves, then they're just going to bring along their sympathies with it. And I, I don't know if there's an instance of that where it didn't happen, you know. And maybe it's the case that that could be reputed if you're much more stringent, but it seems a bit more far fetched. Or maybe the idea there is that uh, if you make it clear that these are the values that women are just less likely to join just because they realize that uh, it's not in their wheelhouse.
0: Well, they, re- they realize they're not going to be able to wallow in, the, in their emotions and their emotionality instead of going into logic. You have, to, you have to keep the logic. You have to have, there shouldn't be any taboo conversations. There shouldn't be any taboo speech. There shouldn't be any taboo thoughts. Um, you know, the idea that uh, everything is, is something to be offended by women the only time I've gotten complaints at the workplace was from women. Always. Always. And uh, it was the most petty shit. Now, I've heard women complain. Well, well uh, you know, men talk about sex stuff. They make sexual jokes. They do this. They do that. And they're upset about that. Then, when the men go out of their way not to make those jokes in front of women, then they say, well, you know, every time I walk up to a group of men, they get quiet. And they start t- stop talking about what they were talking about. And, uh, you know, they, so basically we just, we shouldn't talk about what we talk about when you're around and we shouldn't talk about what we talk about when you're not around.
1: Apparently you get out of the picture.
0: So you just want us to become women basically. And that's not going to happen. At least it's not going to happen to guys like me. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, they'll they'll complain. Well, I feel excluded because when I walk up, men stop talking. Well, yeah, because we don't want to, we don't want you to go to HR. We don't want to, we don't want a lawsuit. We don't want complaints. We, you know, you were complaining. So now we're trying to be, we're trying to be respectful of your feelings and not speak in ways that we know will offend you or upset you because you're, you know, your tender, delicate feelings. And so now you're offended because you're not included in the conversations. But the only way we can include you in those conversations is if we don't talk about what we normally talk about in private. So right. you don't want us to talk about in public what we talk about. And you don't want us to talk about in private what we don't, what, what, what you don't want us to talk about. There's not really a third option. And then we're guess... to say, well, you shouldn't be talking about that stuff in the workplace in the, in the, in the first place. No, actually, private conversations are private conversations. And if you don't fucking like it, too bad.
1: Yeah. Uh, there's a lot
0: of stupid shit and giggly shit that women talk about at work that I don't, I don't particularly want to hear. And uh, you just have to ignore it.
1: Yeah, I guess kind of segueing a bit, and maybe this is where we disagree a bit. Is that uh, I, I wonder if a society like Korea—I'm not quite sure of all the of all the uh, complexities of Korea—but I remember a commentator that I liked who lives there was basically making the point that a lot of wokeism is ultimately seeping into Korea, particularly through the universities, or that's kind of the foray for a lot of this. And I guess my question would be that to. Uh, Would you be as worried about this in a case like Korea and more of a homogeneous sphere if uh, women became much more kind of feminist or you had much more of a feminist bent amongst, I guess, the women, but you still had the homogeneous population? Do you think you would be just as concerned about it? Or do you think you could say that, uh, well, they can't really screw things up with kind of their intersectional woes as as, or at least as much as they could in the United States? It, It minimizes
0: it. It minimizes the effect. Although you still have homosexuals in Korea, I'm sure. And I'm sure there's got to be some minority groups in there that could, that could do some whining and complaining. Yeah, but it w- wouldn't be as wouldn't be to the extent that it is in Western society. Okay,
1: I guess that's where. I, I don't know about this. Maybe that's kind of like a weird cognitive bias. I can remember. Uh, uh, I had a right. Didn't have a conversation. I was listening into a conversation where a woman was going to some meeting and she was told by another woman that uh, who. Kind of superior to her. That uh, oh well, look, this is kind of an informal thing, so don't worry about it, or don't worry about kind of dress code or etiquette in that kind of sense. And then she said something to the effect of, "Well, yeah, but that's probably mostly men there, so they can get away with it, whereas women are going to get judged more." And obviously, it's just like kind of moronic, like sexist thing. Like I'm the victim. And I remember thinking to myself that I don't really care that she said that that just doesn't really bother me whereas if if somebody black said that that well it's mostly white men so I have to be careful as a black man I would be much more bothered by it and I wondered if that if they're ultimately kind of the same thing or if that and I, my claim was uh, ultimately unfounded or if it could ultimately be that uh, one's just going to have much more pernicious pernicious effects than the other saying stuff like that I, even I think they're, they're both...
0: I think they're pretty <laughs> if they're not the same thing they're pretty close to it okay Pretty close to it, and first of all, women. That are, women. When women say men can get away with it, not get judged, but but but, uh, or men can get away with it, not be judged, but women can't. Who are those people that are judging those women? It's other women. Other women judge you, not us. You know this 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 ridiculous idea that men are judging women on, on how they dress and what they do. And, no, no, it's it's actually women dress d- judging other women. I have been in rooms before. Where I was kind of sitting in the background, people weren't paying attention to me. And some woman would come in, and, and she'd, I guess her, her, her purse wouldn't match her shoes, or her, her hair was maybe bleach blonde or something. And as soon as she went through, all the women started talking all kinds of uh, nasty shit about her. That's women. Yeah. That's, a, that's a woman thing. That's not us. We, we, we couldn't give a fuck less. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's, that's kind of a good point. I, the other thing I always wonder if feminists, and I guess I haven't really read the literature on it, but I wonder if feminists ultimately understand that women are more emotional and they try to either say that, uh, oh, well, that's a good thing. Women have feelings and men are just kind of monsters because they, they tend not to have the same kind of feelings. Or if it's the case that they say that, uh, oh, well, yeah, they do, but uh, that makes them much more stronger because they can feel things and that's why you need kind of a female essence or or even, or I guess more so, they would probably just do something to, and they'd say that, uh, oh, don't think about that. That's just sexist kind of having those thoughts. You know. That's, I think that comes much more in like kind of the third wave kind of feminists starting from the 70s where they kind of really, really kind of grapple over stuff like this. You know?
0: Well, one, one thing I've noticed is, is that, and this applies to both women and black people and even Hispanic people to a certain degree. If a woman doesn't agree with feminists, then she, she, uh, she has internalized um, sexism. She's being sexist towards herself and and they'll say that about black guys if, if a black guy doesn't agree with every bullshit thing that comes out of the black community and the whining and complaining and the oh woe is me i'm the victim and everybody's holding me down if he doesn't agree with that then he is he's got internalized racism he's racist against himself I, and it, it's ridiculous
1: i think that happens to a much larger extent among blacks than it does uh females and that blacks if you're i mean you have to you have to fit a certain archetype or oh well you're a self-hating black person or you don't you don't understand kind of the black experience i mean people have said like how just how how wicked it is that this has become so inculcated into the black experience and i don't think it's as much inculcated into kind of the female experience maybe you could say something like uh I mean, I don't even know if these would be unfounded. Where women have to worry about getting attacked or doing something like that, and I, I guess maybe that would show that uh, maybe it's hard to kind of draw this analogy only goes so far with men and women, given that there could actually be some things that they have to worry about that are likely pretty founded. Whereas with men, not as much, or black, or black people in general, not as much. You know. Right.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with
1: that. Yeah, I mean, they're not entirely wrong when they say that they have to worry about getting raped. It just that no, no, men,
0: they're they're not entirely wrong about that. That's true.
1: Yeah, I think uh, obviously the part where we, we obviously talked about sexual assault in regards to or in relation to if it being uh, about control or just kind of low impulse control. And I would say kind of going uh, doing a review of that episode. The one thing I found is that uh, the people who are saying it was control. It was basically just a book written by some feminist that did no empirical data. She just presupposed her conclusion because it jibes better with what she was trying to say or kind of made it seem like this is like a this is something that's kind of become ingrained within like sexist men. Well, since,
0: since, since we're talking about rape, I will say it again. Rape is not about control. It's about, it's about sex. It's not about power. It's about, it's about sex. The rapist does not rape you. I'm not saying never. I'm sure there are situations where there is that kind of situation going on, where that is the motivation, but in the overwhelming majority, the lion's share of rapes, it's about low impulse control. A lot of crimes are, sec- a, lot of, a lot of rapes are secondary crimes. Uh, a lot of rapes are burglaries that turn into a rape, kidnapping that turns into a rape, a robbery that turns into a rape, a physical assault that turns into a rape. Uh, I mean, there's all sorts of things that don't start out as a rape. And it's just kind of like an add-on crime. Hey, I'm already here. I'm already doing this. I'm going to murder this person, or I'm going to kidnap them, or I'm going to assault them, or I'm going to rob them. Might as well rape them as well.
1: Yeah. I would say, kind of pivoting a bit, I, I would say that, uh, obviously, I mean, the point that uh, I feel like women can perhaps be more emotional and they can really destroy uh, a lot of atmospheres if they actually become a majority there, become a much more kind of a, uh, or they're on proportion with uh, some things that are typically more mechanical, like uh, education, or at least that should function that way. I, I think that the other thing I'm kind of interested in with feminism, or with feminism, and I've kind of already stated this that uh, that what I think is probably the essence of a lot of this If you look at the people is that these people just tend to feel oppressed and it's not a good thing when people feel oppressed you know and for some reason that's really being a other people have made this point that uh, it seems to be that a lot of psychologists are the ones saying that oh well yeah it's okay to feel oppressed because these are oppressive atmospheres well not an understanding that feeling oppressed is literally something that you do not want a patient to do you know that's that just it's going to spur it correlates highly with narcissism just kind of negative outcome. So many negative outcomes, but yet they don't care. They just kind of spur it, and I think that's where it becomes a problem. Or that's at least at least on face value, that's my main problem with feminism. And a lot of that also just kind of drifts off into other groups that could feel oppressed, that could really really have some. that could really really create some downtrodden effects.
0: Well, I, I think one one of the things it does is is that it means that women don't want to be homemakers anymore. They don't want to be mothers not everybody but it it's been a real big trend and the problem is is, is that that means that a lot of times women will, will get married they'll have kids and then the man and the woman are out working in the workforce and the kid is left to their own devices they're being raised by somebody else you know daycare babysitter whatever the case may be um, so you're not raising your own child so you you don't you're not you're not giving that child the values that you grew up with that you'd want them to have. They're getting somebody else's values. They're they're learning their life lessons from somebody else in large part. And people say, well, in modern times, men and women have to work to make ends meet. No, in most cases, not all cases, but in most cases, if people would, would live within their means, they would have no problem with living off one salary, but people have to have the newest electronics they have to have the newest car they have to have the newest everything they, they, they have to go out to fancy restaurants they'd have to do all sorts of stuff there's no such thing as cooking in they, they have to do things they have to live beyond their means they have to run their credit cards up to the point where they can't have a one one income household and so they sacrifice the the upbringing of their child so that they can afford all these extra luxuries that they really don't need uh
1: I might disagree a little bit with that that uh pretty hard if you if you have like four kids and you're living on kind of a conventional middle class salary, which I'm, I'm not quite sure what for a household is, it's probably probably for parents, it's probably like a little bit under a hundred grand. I'm I'm not quite sure because it's assuming both of them are gonna work. It's gonna be pretty hard to raise four kids on that. Or you're gonna struggle more. Don't don't have four kids. The... Well, I think you
0: want people to have kids though. You want to have people to have function. kids, but ha- ha- it's part of living not living beyond your means. Have the number of kids that you can afford, live within your means, take care of your children. If this you can afford where... one kid, have one kid. If you can afford to have two, have two. If you can afford to have three, have three. If you can afford to have four, have four.
1: I The part where I disagree with you is I think, uh, and this is where I think a lot of conservatives should probably probably fall in line, and I hope a lot of liberal or if Joe Biden is going to pass a lot of, like, liberal stuff, I hope this is eventually what he passes. It's going to be – he's trying to obviously pass the child tax credit, and there are some serious problems there as far as a work requirement goes, which he's trying to get – which might get passed in the lame duck session. But I think if people want to have kids and they should actually operate, we should do everything in our power to make sure that those people can live comfortably. I think that should really, really to be a include, priority of conservatives.
0: Are you talking about creating a welfare state? No. And what do you I'm mean?
1: saying if they want to have kids – the people who are going to live on welfare state that are basically just going to be like welfare babies. They're going to have kids regardless.
0: So the I'm is- saying the people
1: I'm saying the people that actually have to that can't have as many kids that we're seeing on surveys because they have kids but they can't have as many as they want because they can't afford them, or they they're going to have to really really pare back their lifestyle. I think we should make it such that uh, those people are it's much easier for them to have kids. How? Do things like child tax credits, do things like you do in the rest of Europe where it's much easier to have kids or not, obviously not the rest of Europe, but take more like kind of physically liberal approaches on this. I think this this is why you're seeing like conservatives like Josh Hawley and Mitt Romney be very,
0: very supportive of this. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little conflicted on that. I'm a little conflicted on that because we are we are moving into welfare state territory on that.
1: The problem with the child tax credit from a lot of the – obviously, this is totally an aside, but a lot of the analysis, particularly Mickey Cows, who's one of my favorite commentators, is that he he likes the child tax credit for people that will actually work, and he thinks you have to attach work credits to it like we did with welfare in the 90s. But he thinks the welfare – he thinks the child tax credit as it is is going to create so many pernicious effects. But he still supports it if you have a work requirement, and I think that's where I support it as well, that obviously you do not want welfare babies. But no. if you look at a lot of the surveys and you see what people that uh, people that can't have as much kids as they want to, and these are probably going to be people that are going to be good parents as opposed to welfare or typical welfare person or baby or parent or what have you, it's that I think we should really, really try to make the system such that those people can have kids, or that those people can have more kids that uh, than they would have had before.
0: Maybe. But, I don't uh, think it's I don't think it's quite that easy, but maybe. Hmm. Uh,
1: Oh, I think it could be much easier. I think this is the one. This is one of the aspects where Europe is much better than the United States, or probably the most of, uh, I guess, countries that kind of lean towards kind of socialism. Obviously, not saying lean towards socialism, but there are, there are aspects of it that are not bad.
0: Mm. I'm more of a free market guy. Yeah,
1: well, free market creates a lot of welfare babies.
0: Unfortunately, kind of- we could get we could get mean on that though.
1: Yeah, but uh, we can't get mean on that, our society won't let us. But uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to think what else I, else I wanted to say on feminism. Which the good thing about this is that uh, obviously it's such a topical thing that we're just going to go back to. So there's obviously not many points. If we miss something, then we could just go back to it again.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this again in the future. So at this point, let's let's wrap, let's wrap it up. Um, okay, so we've talked about feminism. We've given our viewpoints on it. Um, we, th- you know, this has been the Conservative Atheist podcast. I've been joined by my co-host, Brighter Later, and uh, we talk about the. We talk about all sorts of issues. Uh, we drop a podcast Monday through Friday, and that means uh, Sunday night going into Monday morning after 12.01 a.m. Monday morning, uh, or Eastern, you know, Eastern Standard Time or New York City time. And the last one goes from Thursday night into Friday morning, after 12.01 Friday morning, Eastern Standard Time or New York City time. And they can last anywhere from an hour to two hours to three hours, all depending on the topic, all depending on the person that we're interviewing. We interview the very famous and the not-so-famous. Uh, we talk about every issue under the sun. There's no taboo topics. There's no taboo opinions. There's no taboo speech, not in our opinion. And so we try to cover everything from the unique perspective of conservative atheists, Um, and I think we do a decent job. So we also have a Patreon now for people that don't want to deal with, uh, that when I see bonus material and get uh, plenty of merch and, and special, uh, you know, special, special, uh, broadcasts that aren't on our regular podcast. And so here starts out at $5 a month, which is pennies on the, on the, you know, pennies a day. And it goes up from there. And again, you get all sorts of merch and perks uh, just for joining. So the link will be in the podcast description, as always. And I appreciate everybody listening. And uh, we'll catch you next time. One last thing before you go to bed tonight. When you're laying on your back, staring up at the ceiling in the dark, drifting off into sleep, I want you to repeat this mantra over and over and over again. Conservative atheist is always right. Conservative atheist is always right. Conservative atheist is always right. right. Conservative Atheist is always right. Conservative Atheist is always right. Conservative Atheist is always right. And in the morning, when you wake up, you'll feel like a refreshed, renewed person. The sun will shine brighter. The air will feel crisper. The flowers will smell sweeter. The birds will sing your name. And all will be right with the world. And if not, you're probably an unrealistic, overly emotional little feminist. And you need to get your head screwed on right. All right. Thanks for listening. Take care, you knuckleheads.